Good morning. It is such a blessing to be together each Sunday when we gather in this place uh, to be reminded of who we are in Jesus, to be reminded of who we are in relation to each other because of Jesus. And I'm thankful for this time uh, together this morning. Let's pray as we uh, prepare to hear from God's word. God, we are grateful for your love, and we are grateful for the way that you have shown us your love most clearly in Jesus. We're grateful that you have called us your sons and your daughters. We're grateful that you have made us family with one another and with you. And God, we pray this morning that as we listen to one of the many stories passed down through the ages by your people, that you would work through the power of your Holy Spirit to transform us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's not a person in this world who wants to live a life that isn't blessed. Not a single person. And you and I, we don't just want a blessing here or a blessing there. We want to live lives that are abounding with blessings. And in our better moments, we don't just want the blessings that everybody wants. We want the blessing of God. The blessing of God, whatever form it may take in a particular place and time in our lives. And even more, we don't just want God's blessing for ourselves. We want God's blessing for others, especially those closest to us, for the people we love and care for deeply. Every parent, for instance, wants God's blessing for their child, wants their child to experience it, to receive it, to treasure it, to to be changed by God's blessing. And that brings us to a woman named Rebecca, the wife of Isaac, the mother of twin boys Esau and Jacob. When we spot Rebecca, she's peeking into a tent. Now, some might say that she's spying on her husband, but she would tell you she's just keeping an eye on things. He's getting older in years, getting to the point where he can't always take care of himself. He doesn't always know when people are trying to take advantage of him. And and so she's just watching out for him. She's just looking out for his best interest. And at the moment, that seems kind of important because The oldest son, Esau, is in the tent with Isaac. It's just the two of them, and they're whispering quietly. And this could mean one of two things. It could mean that that Isaac has sought out his son, Esau, to have a, a fatherly talk with his firstborn child. Or it could be that Esau is trying to take advantage of his old dad and and Rebecca, you know, she's, she, she doesn't want to let him take advantage of her husband. And so she's watching. She's listening. And she hears Isaac begin to say to Esau, my son. And I, Esau replies, yes, I'm here. And, and Isaac, he, he, he's got this voice that's starting to, to quiver a bit more than it used to. He, he takes a little drink to try to bring some, some stability and some, some strength back to it. And, and he continues on, you know, you know, Esau, I, I guess this is going to seem kind of silly. Uh, you'll probably laugh or make fun of me, but, you know, all of a sudden it's dawned on me I'm old. <laughs> I've gotten a little bit up in years. 
And I guess I always kind of looked around at other people who were older than me, and, and I thought they were old, but, but most of them are gone now, and, and all of a sudden it's hit me. I, I'm, I'm those old people. And there's, there's something that I've got to do before I die. And I know that sounds kind of morbid to start talking about death, but, you know, the, the older I get, the more I start to realize that's not that far away. So you know, Esau, that the firstborn son in, in every good Jewish family gets a blessing from the father, and I, I think it's time. I think today's the day. And so here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to go out, and I want you to find me uh, something yummy to eat out in the fields. Maybe a deer, maybe a goat, something good. And I want you to bring it back. I want you to cook it up just like I like it. I want you to bring it here to me. I'll eat it. I'll savor it. And then when that's all done, I'll offer you the blessing of a lifetime. And so Esau, he, he hops up quickly. He rushes away from the tent. He's got visions in his head of a 10-point buck that he's going to shoot with his bow and arrow. And he rushes right by his, his mom who's pretending to be busy doing chores. He is a man on a mission. But the man on the mission rushes right past a woman who's on a mission too. Rebecca knows that she shouldn't feel this way. No parent should have favorites. But the reality is she does. And she can't really explain it. She can't even defend it. It's just the reality. Jacob is her favorite. Jacob has always been her favorite. God promised her years before, back even before he was born, that, that even though he was the second son, that he would be the stronger one, that he would be the more powerful one, that he would be the chosen one to receive a blessing. And when she spotted him with her own eyes, Rebecca knew deep down in her bones that 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 was exactly true. And not only was it true, she was going to do everything in her power to make sure that God's promise became reality. And over the course of his years that unfolded, Jacob, the one who was named liar, thief, well, he stole Rebecca's heart. And so when she has heard this plan of Isaac's, she feels compelled deep down to make a plan of her own, to protect her, her child who is not the firstborn but is her favorite. She'll stop at nothing to make this dream of hers, this dream that she has from God, a reality, even if it means hurting Isaac, even if it means hurting Esau. Jacob, her favorite, is absolutely worth it. So she scurries off to find him, and then when she finds him, she starts telling him her plan. Jacob, I want you to pay attention, and I want you to follow my instructions exactly as I give them to you. Go out among the grazing flocks and bring back a couple young goats. I'll fix them up just like your pops likes them. Then you can take the food to him. He'll eat it. He'll enjoy it. You know, he can't see a thing anymore, so he's not going to know it's, it's you and not Esau. And then when he's done... He's going to be so full and it's going to have been so good that he's going to be ready to give you the blessing. <laughs> and he won't even realize what's hit him until it's way too late. And, and Jacob, 
you know, he's intrigued. There's not a person in the world who wants to live a life that isn't blessed. Not a single person. And, and Jacob certainly is one of those people. But, but there's still this sense of, of fear. And so he said, Mom, have you really thought this through? I mean, I appreciate you looking out for me, but, you know, this is, this is kind of a big deal. We, we can't risk messing this up. Dad may be blind as a bat, but last time I checked, his, his fingers worked. I mean, what, if he, what if he reaches out to embrace me when he gives me the blessing? He's going to know that I'm not Esau. Have you felt my skin lately? It's smooth. Esau is hairy as a bear. This is, this is, a, this is a problem. And, and, and she says, okay, look, I, I get it. I get it. If it goes wrong, your dad could try to curse you. And I know that's the last thing you want. But, but here's what I'm going to promise you. I'm going to promise you that if you get caught, I'm taking the fall. I'm taking the blame. It's all going to be on me. You will not face any consequences whatsoever. Well, that's all Jacob needs to hear because the blessing, it's out there and it seems to be for the first time in his life like it might be in reach. For years he's lived knowing that it would be Esau who would be the one to get the, get, to get the blessing. But now, now the possibility that he might be able to get it, he's all in. And so he goes out and he grabs the couple young goats from the grazing flocks. They, they grill them to a perfect medium, medium rare. And they, they, they take the, the skins that are left over and they, and they, they, they tie them onto, onto his hands and the back of his neck. I, there's nothing that you could hold out in front of me that I would let you do that for. I don't want goat skins on me, but Jacob, he's okay with it. So he takes the meal, he eases into the tent, he walks over carefully toward his father, and he sets the meal in front of his blind dad. And he summons up his best impression of Esau's voice, he'd been practicing it all the way out into the fields and back, and he says, my father? And Isaac sits up, he he leans in, and, and he says, yes, yes, I can hear you there. Which of my sons has joined me? The first hurdle. I am Esau, Jacob says, doing his best to keep his voice from trembling and giving him away. Here's the meal you wanted, just like you like it. Eat it. Enjoy it. But but don't delay. I'm ready for that blessing. Now, Isaac, Isaac, he, he... begins to have this confused look on his face, and Jacob starts to get worried. Isaac says, my boy, how in the world did you find game so quickly? And Jacob is like, oh, goodness, I'm already done for. But then the perfect answer comes to his mind, the answer that nobody's going to question. And so he says to his father, God led me right to it. Nothing like using God for your lie. And Isaac's never one to to question God, and yet he can tell there is something off about this entire interaction. And so he says to Jacob, come here, come here. And, And then he reaches out his hands toward his son. Come here, let me touch you, my son, to make sure that you are who you say you are. Jacob inches closer, slowly, not confidently, 
each step adding to a growing sense of fear that he's going to be found out. Suddenly, it's the moment of truth or deception as Isaac reaches out his hands and his fingers, they go straight for the goat skin. And he rubs his fingers through it, kind of wrinkles his face up a little bit, and and he says to, to Jacob, well, you don't sound like Esau, but there isn't a person in the world as hairy as Esau, and, and, and that's, that's, that's Esau's skin. You must be Esau. Are you Esau? And Jacob, again, chooses to lie because of the blessing that's out there. And he says to his father, I am. Well, Isaac's finally satisfied finally feels like he can, he can trust the situation. And so he asks for his son to let him enjoy the meal. And now all Jacob can do is watch and wait for what feels like an eternity as Isaac enjoys every single bite of this meal. He's chewing it. He's savoring it. He's making those noises that people make when they're enjoying food a little too much. And Jacob's just sitting, waiting. He's bouncing his toe. He's twiddling his thumbs. He's getting worried because the longer Isaac takes, the more likely it is that Esau's going to come back. And if Esau comes back before this whole thing is done, Jacob is in a world of trouble. But eventually, Isaac lets out a big sigh, the kind of sigh that lets you know he's done with an all-too-enjoyable meal. And he calls his son to come close again. He reaches out his hands, and in that moment, the whole thing hangs in the balance. The pressure of it is almost too much on Jacob, but, but the thought of missing out on the blessing, that's even heavier, because there's not a person in this world who wants to live a life that isn't blessed, not a single person. And this is where we're going to pick up the story in Genesis 27, verse 27. The writer tells us, so Jacob came close and kissed Isaac. When Isaac smelled the scent of his clothes, he blessed him. See, the scent of my son is like the scent of the field, the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you showers from the sky, olive oil from the earth, plenty of grain and new wine. May the nations serve you. May peoples bow down to you. Be the most powerful man among your brothers. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Those who curse you will be cursed. And those who bless you will be blessed. And Jacob hightails it out of there. And after Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and just as Jacob hightailed out of there from his father Isaac, his brother Esau came back from his hunt. He too made some delicious food, brought it to his father, and said, Let my father sit up and eat from his son's game so that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your oldest son, Esau. Isaac was so shocked that he trembled violently. He said, who was the hunter just here with game? He brought me food, and I ate all of it before you came. I blessed him, 
and, and he will stay blessed. When Esau heard this, his father had said, he let out a loud, agonizing cry and wept bitterly. He said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. Me too. Well, we'll leave the story there, but, but let me assure you, it, it only gets worse from there. Isaac tells Esau he can't bless him. Esau keeps begging for the blessing. Finally, Isaac does begin to speak to Esau, but when he does, all he has to offer Esau is a vision of a dark and violent future. It's heartbreaking. More heartbreaking still when Esau takes these words from his father and he begins to make them a reality by plotting against his brother, plotting to take his life. Somehow, Rebecca, as she always does, she seems to catch wind of what's going on. She hears about Esau's plan, and so she looks out for her favorite son. She tells Jacob to run away and don't delay. As he tends to do, Jacob goes along with his mother's plans and flees, trying to hold on to hope that he can somehow manage to avoid his brother coming back and harming him. To avoid being punished for treating his brother, for treating his father like the criminal that he is. He runs and he clings to hope. Hoping like crazy that the blessing won't be taken away. Hoping that the blessing won't be undone because there isn't a person in the world who wants to live a life that isn't blessed. Not a single person. Certainly not Jacob. Now there are, there are some stories in scripture that we want to sit with for a while. Stories that, that leave us feeling inspired, encouraged, feeling loved and cared for. But this story, it's one we want to move on past pretty quickly. Probably because it all feels so familiar. You've got squabbling siblings, you've got an inheritance that's at the middle of the squabble, you have lies and deceptions, you have a, a, a crazy desire for, for wealth, a, a deep-seated ambition for power, you have parents showing favoritism, and, and the truth is we've seen it all before, and we'll probably see it all again. For some of us, we've lived this story before. For others of us, we may live it in the future. It's sad and discouraging. And it's not really the hope-filled story that we want to encounter when we come to Scripture. And it kind of leaves us wondering why in the world it's even in our Scriptures at all. What use is a story like this that basically portrays the world as it is, not the world as it could be? There's no one in the story who's innocent. There's, there's no one in the story without significant flaws and failures. There's not a good role model in the entire cast of characters. And yet, we, we have to reckon with the fact that this story hasn't been cut and left on the floor. It hasn't been censored from our scriptures. Instead, it's been passed down through one generation after another. 
And, and, and so the, the way we approach it is with this sense that the story has something to teach us. As, as hard as it is, as difficult as it is, as discouraging it is, as it is, this story must have something to teach us. And mostly, I think, it's probably trying to teach us about, well, who we don't want to be. We don't want to be like Isaac, played for a fool. We don't want to be like Rebecca taking advantage of a vulnerable person right in front of us. We don't want to be like Jacob, lying about ourselves and and lying about God. We don't want to be like Esau, developing this, this plot against someone we love just because they hurt us, even if they hurt us deeply and in a way that, that we, we struggle to get over. The story teaches us what we don't want to be, who we don't want to become. And yet, that's not the only thing. There's something else that this story is trying to teach us. And I, I think to see it, we got to think about Jacob running for his life. You know, as he runs for his life, there is a, a sense in which he is running because of of fear. It is fear that drives him away. Fear of what his brother might do to him. Fear of what his dad might do to him. Fear of what the community might do to him. Because the entire community is not going to look kindly on what he's done to his father and his brother. But it's not just fear that's, that, that's filling Jacob's heart and mind and soul as he runs away. I've got to believe that there's a little bit of elation. A little bit of excitement, a little bit of feeling like he's gotten away with something and he cannot believe it. He's stolen the blessing. And even though he's afraid and even though he's concerned, there's got to be a part of him that thinks, I did it. I did it. I stole the blessing and my life will be so much better for it. But the problem the problem is, Jacob only thinks he's managed to steal the blessing. Oh, he has the blessing, but, but the thing is, you, you can't steal something that's, that's freely given to you. And long back before Jacob was born, God made a promise to choose Jacob to receive the blessing. God made a promise that Jacob would be the one who would carry on the blessing that had been passed down from Abraham to Isaac. God had made a promise somehow, some way, even if Isaac wasn't planning to give Jacob the blessing. God was going to make it happen. That's that's how God works. That's what God does. God makes God's dreams become a reality. Jacob didn't have to trick his father. You can't steal what's freely given to you. And God was going to find a way to give the blessing to Jacob. There's even better news here. There's even something more encouraging that we learn from this story. And it's this. Even though Jacob repeatedly does the wrong thing, even though he he intentionally deceives his father one time after another after another, God doesn't take back the promise. Instead, God finds a way to take Jacob's mistakes and use them to bring about what God wanted all along. There is nothing 
Jacob could possibly do to make God be unfaithful to him in return. Nothing. Nothing Jacob could do to make God be unfaithful to him in return. You know, I said a a few moments ago that part of what the story is trying to teach us is is who we don't want to be like. We don't want to be like any of the people in the story. And it's true, we don't, or at least we shouldn't. But the truth is, whether we want to be like these people or should be like these people, the reality is you and I are, well, we're a lot like Jacob already. We've made our share of mistakes. Plenty of them have been unintentional. They've been accidents that we've made along the way. But the honest truth is, all of us have made intentional mistakes. We've intentionally chosen to do what we shouldn't do. Maybe we've lied like Jacob. Maybe we've taken things that weren't ours like Jacob. Maybe we've hurt the people closest to us like Jacob. And at one truth, at one level, that's a truth that we don't really want to, to have to deal with. Especially in, in this kind of a place where we try to put on our, our best face and we try to kind of act like we've got it all together. We, we'd rather not have to deal with it. But, but the reality is, all of us, if we could take it down our guard for just a little bit, we're all in that same boat. We're all more like Jacob than we care to admit. But here's the thing about that. What that means is that God's faithfulness to Jacob can be God's faithfulness to us. We're not only like Jacob because of the mistakes we've made. We're like Jacob because we are chosen children of God. And God wants to bless us by delivering us into a promised future of goodness and grace no matter what we may have done. That's the future God wants for us. This story is trying to assure us of a, of a vitally important truth. That if God is, is present and working in the story of Jacob's life, as messed up as it is, God can be present and working in the messy parts of our lives too. Of your life and mine, God can be present and working. And so we don't need to worry about trying to devise a plan to steal God's blessing. And the reality is we wouldn't talk about it that way. We don't think about it that way. But all too many of us spend a bunch of time trying to figure out how to get God to bless us. And we feel kind of like we're stealing it. Because we know with our mistakes we, we don't deserve it. But We don't have to worry about that. God already wants us to enjoy a life of blessing. A life filled with God's presence and power and provision. A life in which we continually experience God's goodness and grace. All we need to do, brothers and sisters, is to keep putting one foot in front of the other. To keep doing the best we can. And to keep trusting that no matter what we've done, the God who was faithful to Jacob will be faithful to us too. No matter what we've done, the God who was faithful to Jacob will be faithful to us too. That's the good news of the story of Jacob trying to steal a blessing he couldn't possibly steal. In just a moment, we're gonna stand and sing together We're going to sing about God's faithfulness, faithfulness that endures throughout our lives and throughout the ages. As we sing, we're going to have our shepherds and their wives out in our foyer just outside these doors, and they're going to be there to receive you 
maybe you are celebrating God's faithfulness this morning. Maybe you're on the other side of, of this kind of story and you just want somebody to join you in, in thanking God for faithfulness. But, but there's a chance that some of us in this room are, are right where J- Jacob is when he's fleeing, when he's running away. We're scared, we're worried, we're afraid that, that we're gonna be in trouble, that we're, there's a little excitement that we've gotten something we really wanted, but also some guilt. And, and so our shepherds wanna receive you to be able to pray with you, to encourage you, to help you know, no matter what you've done, the God who is faithful to Jacob will be faithful to you too. So go out and find them as we stand together and we sing.